Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Towards the night before Christmas, in fact it's not, it's just the morning before Christmas here in Australia, not even Christmas Eve in Belgium, where Benji and I, uh, we're in different continents, but coming together for a Q&A special, we're going to cover off some things we didn't cover cycling-wise, like best breakaway riders, we've got some things to iron out there, might disagree, we've got some business stuff, we'll uh, tell you whether we're working with Yumbo Visma in the future, as well as just some personal goal stuff as well. But as always, this pod is brought to you, LRCP, by Zwift. And Zwift Hub is available in the EU, North America, and the UK. And I understand, Benji, that you installed one recently firsthand. Like, be honest. Yes, sir. How long did it take? And, like, how good are you normally at this sort of thing? Okay, vital information, eh? The eagle has landed. My package had arrived a few weeks ago, and it was actually pretty straightforward because normally when IKEA packages arrive, I'm like, I'm the kind of person that even with like the best guide, I still struggle. Like, I'm still pretty incompetent when putting things together, but I swear the Zwift installation of the Zwift Hub, I swear it took like maximum three minutes because it's like two and a half steps. It's difficult to say why it's only two and a half steps, but it's basically you get the entire thing with the cassette already on and you put the two legs on and that's basically it. So it took me a few minutes and it, it worked. So I can't complain about that. Well, yeah, because it's like if Shane Miller finds it easy, GP Lama, that doesn't help me. <laughs> He's probably a master <laughs> of putting these things together. Only when, only when an incompetent person like myself yeah, can exactly. put it together. <laughs> to people like us, get an ikea flat pack and we're just like i guess we're gonna have to pay someone to put this together because <laughs> <laughs> i got a broken finger from a dog attacking yeah uh, not Shandy again this fucking story yeah. <laughs> dude it's a serious problem i can't put ikea flat backs together <laughs> i can ride my bike and do things with my hands that i do want to do it's convenient how that works um anyway that's the zwift hub go to zwift.com to check it out through the link down below but on to the first question who's the best breakaway artist in 2022 we didn't cover this in our cycling awards i don't think it's sort of it doesn't matter if you're gc contender it doesn't matter who you are you know it all gets it's not theoretical would you be a good breakaway contender it's who's proven it so we've got yeah. court who got gets into breaks consistently we have leonard kamner as well won a Giro stage this year Thomas Tehent won another Giro stage, but I can't put him in that list. Is there anyone else I'm missing, Benji? I think last year we spoke about the court in the Welt and so forth, and the Mohoric during the tour when he won those two stages, for example, Hirschi in the breakaways in 2020, but those haven't done it anymore. Mohoric wasn't really there in those breakaways. True. I feel like Kort had that stage on to oh, that bloody climb that is not very Mejev. steep in the Tour de France, Mejev and wasn't really there for the majority of the rest of the season in terms of breakaways as much. And I feel like it's come down to a few candidates, and we saw Carapaz dominate breakaways in La Vuelta. The question is, how much of that is because he wasn't good enough as a GC rider that he was able to win from breakaways with the strength that he still had? Or is there more tactical stuff to that? I'll let you respond in a second. Another rider I think of is Vine, who won the two stages in the Vuelta, but I recall one of them not being from the breakaway, and Kemna, who won on Etna, but I swear there was like, is it a 
tour of the Alps stage against Desfazione and Amador that comes to mind, or where was that? You are not Leonard misremembering Chiamna. that. You're not misremembering. He did win to Villabasa in Tour of the Alps, and that sort of uh -huh. indicated he was in nice shape for the start of the Giro. And Planche? Planche, Almost. yeah. Moral victory. Moral victory <laughs> on Planche. Like, it's like well. with Padun on Pico Hano. Like, it's a break. It, it's a, it could be a break stage. You get in the break. You're the strongest in the break. You would have won from the break. But the GC guys just decide it's not your day. Pagatcha had a reason for winning that day. Had UAE pace really hard. I thought it was going to be, you know, Jumbo Visma clearly were happy for the break to win. But it, so, yeah, Camno, what can he do? Um, and then he kind of, his one mistake in the break this year, I think he got caught between stage and yellow on that Majev stage. And he ended yeah, up coming yeah, yeah. fourth, I think. Um, Carapaz is a good one. 120K break, Benji. Catalonia, let's not forget. Oh, he literally yeah. ran a 120k breakaway and then uh, or, mugged Igita. Well, we're we're saying 120k break. At what point does it does it become a breakaway? Because the Remco Evenpool goes solo like 60k from the finish line somehow. At what <laughs> point is that a breakaway? True. <laughs> yeah, like I don't I don't actually know. <laughs> but yeah. I'm counting that one as a break. But yeah, is Remco and Worlds a breakaway? Was it a breakaway before he attacked? Yes. But then when he attacks, it's Solo no break, break. Lot of dudes. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's the best long range attacker, I guess. But I'm going with <laughs> yeah. I'm going with Kemner because I don't know. It's tough between him and Carapaz, but I'm going with him. Uh just because Tour de France I think he got a bit unlucky. He would have won Planche from the break. Uh, in week one of the tour, that means, you know, top break guy. So I'm going with Camner, but Carapaz, equally valid opinion. I feel like there's this dynamic in the Tour de France in 2022 and also in 2021, to be honest, where it's become so much more difficult to win stages from the breakaway in those stages because GC goes for every single stage almost yep. in 2022. Hog needs bonus. So, yeah, as a consequence, it's quite difficult, actually, to get a rider that won a stage in the Tour de France to win this trophy because they can't win multiple stages anymore. So Magnus Court, the reason that he doesn't get as many stages is because he focused on the Tour de France, because with that same strength, I bet he can take two stages at the Vuelta or something like that, or two stages at the Giro. But yep. the schedule is what they decided. Kemna also only won that one Giro stage, but he was also in the breakaway as a breakaway artist, as a satellite rider in many stages. True. Does that count? Does Wout Fanad's breakaway attempts count? Not, uh, I don't nah, know. Wout I'm gets gonna deducted go points for stage six. That erases <laughs> stage six. <laughs> Long week. <laughs> yeah. <Kill it>. <laughs> <laughs> he gets deducted points for that one. I'm going to go with Kemna as well. Because like, it's only it's an one. easy answer because we'll never see Carapaz in a break in 24, right? Uh, well, we don't know, eh? Depends sure, whether he fucks up his GC or not. GC. If he bottles it, yeah, then true. he does stages. Anyway, it's an interesting <laughs> dynamic. It's a lot of the skill of this is being able to get in breaks efficiently. That's why I think Kemner is a really nice rider for this. He's not 58 kilos or small like Juanpe. He's not 72 kilo ruler. He's he's basically a fringe GC guy that's chosen to focus on this, like Thomas de Gent did, um, who obviously and? came third in the, in the Giro. Kemner hasn't, but he, 
Kamner would be a, a solid GC rider if he dedicated his life to it. But he has also proven when he's got the opportunities that he wasn't consistent enough to be it. But I guess we'll see again yeah. in the Giro because apparently he's like co-leader together with Vlasov. So that's going to be really. fun. I feel like he might be more of a breakaway artist again with chances in third week to be a satellite rider. But I enjoy the idea of him trying at least for once. His time trial is, was decent as a, as a yeah. younger rider. But anyway, let's go on to the next question. We could talk about breakaway artists for yeah. like 40 minutes, <laughs> I bet. Which team will, see, will exceed our expectations in 2023? That's like a very difficult one to answer because we determine our expectations of a team dependent on the strength and the results that they can, they can perform relative to their budget. So that's already kept in mind. But for example, Antrimarché was a team that really punched above their weight in 2022. Who can be the new Antrimarché in 2023? And I find it very difficult to say a World Tour team when I look at that. Or do we expect the DSM to come out of nowhere after our not no. super positive team preview to suddenly win five Tour de France stages? I think Group Palmer. Don't you think they're building something nice and they seem to have turned a real corner the last two years? Yeah. And maybe maybe it's not this year and they need Pino out and that money out and then it's 2024 when Gregoire's not in his first year and Gudu's got the keys or Gudu's already got the keys, but I think it could be FDJ. Maybe DeMar wins... A, a tour stage, Gadu wins a tour stage, Gregoire is like much better in the in the Ardennes and they're podiuming like four of the five monuments. It's possible. It could be FDJ who just take another step up, but you know, do I see them winning monuments? That's the thing, like because they're already at podium mo- monuments. Movistar I also think are close to improving, but the Valverde thing's kind of weird. Like, has he retired? Yeah. Has he not retired? I know it's a meme, but it's also like Seriously, the half the team presentation was about Valverde. And, like, I get it, you know, on any one of your long-standing riders, etc. but we just had the Ultima Bala. It's the team presentation for 2023. Like, let's – Enric Mas should be on the stage first. It's about Enric Mas. It's about Ivan Garcia, Portina, Aaron Baru. And I don't know, if I was one of the other riders, I'd be like, didn't yeah. we just have a year of this? Like, what about yeah. us in the future? True. I think I also want to mention about the pro teams. We've got UNOX, who is likely going to have a Tour de France wildcard. If that is the case, then Johannesson, I feel like, could actually win a stage. I feel like he's capable of doing that, but if he goes for GC, it might be difficult. If we look at Lotto Destiny, we know the Lee is still on that team. It's now a pro team, but the Lee can perform. They have announced the schedule. They're talking about Kuno Brussel, Kuno, Roubaix, and so forth. What I haven't heard is Ken Wevelgem. I feel like if he rides Ken Wevelgem, he rode it in 2022, but got in Group 3, which was on a wild, roughly about 1 minute 20. I feel like Ken Wevelgem and Kuno and Brugge de Pont are the next steps for him, no? Yeah, he has to do those ones. The sort of Merlier Jakobsen ones. Has to. I think Lotto points. Destiny could overperform. Or Arno Dali or Lotto Destiny? Lotto Destiny, because I also feel like Kron didn't uh, do according to what he can achieve. We've seen better from Kron than he performed in 2022. I feel like Ewan is likely going to return a tiny bit compared to what he was in 2022. Yeah, so be every single rider that is on this team 
can do a bit better next year as well. Not every rider, but I feel like a Monique also might make a step forward. I don't expect much from their nearly retired leadouts, but that's obvious, I feel like. But yeah, I'm going to say Lotto Destiny. Why not? I think Arkea will be the opposite. I think people realize they're actually not very good. Um, they scored a lot of points, but now they're in World Tour. They're actually like not that good a team. Uh, frankly, at World Tour level, like the wins show that. And now they don't have Quintana, who was one of their best scorers for three years. So they're in for a tough season, uh, I think. I would say normally UAE, but the way they're doing the schedule, like there was a world where they could win all three Grand Tours, but I think that would be still possible. Um, are you so Welter, Pog, Tour, who's Giro? Don't know. Almeida, um, come on, man. True, Almeida. Almeida, Giro, long team, yeah. I, I like Almeida on those 5,500 meters elevation stages. Yeah, so actually, for a podium, but. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. It's, it's not like <laughs> it's not like Pog Tour, sort of, where you like, it's, he's going to be favorite or second favorite or worst. Okay. Who will be the breakout star of 2023? I think Gregoire. Uh, hopefully, they Ooh. send him to. Like, we're going to see him in Drome Classic and Fournardesh in, what, six weeks? Yeah. Um, so oh, I reckon fun. immediately he'll be on. <laughs> I think that's a really good pick. He was really Alphilippe, good when he comes to D twenty. Friendship races. with Alphilippe over. <laughs> Roman Gregoire is like next level now. I'm uh, also gonna go for the youngsters because that's what the breakout star means. I think Lechnison is gonna make the step towards doing what he did in World Tour races, but I feel like he's already kind of breaking out. Eh? We can't say that he's now unknown still. Eh? For the is he SKA like ourselves? Nah, I feel like he's. He's Foss, but not super GC. He's like between Foss and SKA. Shouldn't he just lean into the SKA? I don't think so. I don't. Th- I don't think so. I think he can will significant amount of world tour, like transitioning stages in Grand Tours, is what he should focus on now. So he's more rich. I think that's actually a relatively decent comparison. But uh, except for the fact that I haven't seen him on cobbles, if I recall correctly, and so forth. But he's also not a god like Descender, most likely, compared to Mohoric. But next to him, Marco Brenner is a name I want to throw on the table. Was near a Vuelta stage win last year already. But let's be honest about it. Vine's considered a breakout star of 2022, despite already almost winning a Vuelta stage in 2021. After he got hit by a car, returned to the breakaway and almost beat Bardet still. So... If if Bre- if Brenner didn't win, I can still call him a, a potential breakout star for 2023. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Marco Brenner because I feel like he's on the brink. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Yeah, I'm going with I'm going with Gregoire. That's kind of in keeping no with my XTJ. Pardon? No Aitabrooks? Nah, he's already like legit top ten GC leader in the world. Like, well, people don't know it. Mainstream public doesn't really know it yet. He should be their TDF co leader. So yeah, okay. If you're allowed to do Brenner, then I'm doing Outerbrooks. Like, why shouldn't he? Leader. Why shouldn't he be though? Like, They've got Hindley who just won the Giro. Okay, would you bet your life that he'll be consistent for three weeks? No, but I would give him at least the chance after winning the Giro. No, 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 no. no. Of course, no, no. Hindley's leader. Hindley's leader. But you have like Outerbrooks just there. Why is he there? Hang out. <laughs> don't know. Kind of like Buchmann in the Giro. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. 
Bookman and Najira, man. Hinley, go and watch stage 14 again. When Carapaz <laughs> attacks, Hinley's pulling the group back on the flat and Bookman doesn't pull. <laughs> Hinley was incredible in that in that Giro, man, in the, in the last couple of weeks. Anyway, Ota Brooks, but I like Gregoire because I feel like Ota Brooks is, is cheating. Okay. Do we ever get negative reactions from riders or teams that don't like what we've said? Yes, sometimes. You know, sometimes. 99% of the time, we don't get neg- negative reactions. And yep. then when we do get maybe a negative reaction, it's more in a <clears throat> constructive way, like a guy will hit me up on, on DM and be like, the reason we did X, Y, Z is because, you know, this rider was a bit under the weather or he had a niggling knee injury or we wanted to achieve this. And then when you hear the inside information about it, like, okay, well, that's that makes a lot more sense uh, as well a lot of the time. Sometimes, you know, uh, it's not all positive, but to be honest, we don't really get <laughs> Any we don't like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. No, old Ryan Mullen. Um, <laughs> when he went <laughs> three lanes to the left, <laughs> and I was like, maybe you shouldn't do that. <laughs> um, but like, that's like one. That's one thing in like yeah. three years of talking nonsense. So I think that's a pretty good ratio. It's not a. It's not a daily thing. I think it's largely positive. I think so as well. When it comes to the podcast, I don't remember getting too many negative things. I- I feel like I have had a few occasions, I think like two or three, where someone, a staff member of a team, starts talking. Oh, yeah, yeah, afterwards. staff, yeah. Sorry, Whether it's like <laughs> uh, a press officer of a team that's like, oh, you shouldn't have said it like that, come on, guys. Or a press officer of a team that says, oh, um, you've given us actually a quite, a quite a good podcast here. Here's a, a few things that you, you missed. Like, that's the good thing. I like that. I like that feedback. Because then it shows that they value the content we make and that they want to help make it as best as possible. And that's what we, the feedback that I love. But yeah, I don't, I don't really care if a press officer doesn't like our podcast unless it's constructive, which is a good thing. I will say, however, I feel like I get more criticism from my tweets sometimes from writers. <laughs> as in, yeah. if I throw a font on Twitter, it's, you have to keep it in the characters. And I can't add more context and I feel like sometimes the lack of context makes it so that a writer's like a bit like meh about it. Exactly. And like the comments as well. A lot, of, a lot of the time the comments on the podcast are not just people being like, agree, agree, agree. It's people being like, actually, I think he's going to do better this year. Actually, I think you're being too tough on that writer or that team, um, which is great. Like it's supposed yeah. to be a place for discussion. Um, but because it's like a podcast format, people can hear the tone, the sort of the context maybe i'm being a little bit tongue-in-cheek which like i'm not 100 serious all the time otherwise i go what? crazy <laughs> yeah because sometimes i fuck around like, <laughs> um, but if you like if you do that on twitter like people people always remember when i did the you know plap is better than remco tweet which kind of like as an i put my australian hat on i'm like i'm gonna like fuck around and because like i was like yeah go plap i want to i want to push my boy like i want plap to do well and I want to big him up. Um, someone's got to do it for the Australians. Um, and like people even still now are like, this guy said that Platt was like way better GC than the room. I was like, all right. Um, <laughs> it's, it's true. You can write that down. I stand by it. Um, I actually do hope he has a, a 
better 2023 he could be a breakout star write him down on my previous answer but yeah it's it's good and it props into my show you were mentioning like they engage with the the podcast preview people then see their youtube channel they see the team yeah. engaging with content they like they're providing a bit of feedback to us as well about maybe things we didn't know it's, it's really really great interaction um we do need to get it you're blocked by astana though and we're both yeah, blocked yeah. by borders i'm still me. blocked by astana um i'm also blocked by borders so it's unfortunate. I feel I'm like blocked by Remco thing, on Instagram. I feel like at this point, people have forgotten how I got blocked from Astana. I was trying to get I, an interview with Aramburu. Oh yeah, you were trying to interview one of their writers. I asked a question to the to the press officer. I asked quite literally the following question: Is his English decent enough? <laughs> and the press officer was like, "Well, do you speak German, Chinese, and and like some other language?" And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> Jeez. And then I got blocked. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get that. I don't think we'll get that cab exclusive, but you know, we'll do the emergency pop. We listen. We've had the klaxons. I've had the siren. I've got the bell. The emergency podcast bell. I've just been holding it for a week. Like, when are they going to announce? I, Is it I an emergency a, pod anymore? <laughs> exactly. I asked an Astana rider the other day, like, "How do you feel about Cavendish joining your team?" And the response that I got was, "Wait, what?" Cavendish is joining my team? Question mark, question mark, question mark. It's like, you could try and keep it a secret, but you can also try and overly keep it a secret to the point Dude. that... <laughs> Unreal. But hey, anyway. I, heard some, I heard some rumors that we might hear it after Christmas, so let's see. Oh, yeah, people notably so proactive with things between <laughs> Christmas and New Year's. That's like when everyone gets everything done. <laughs> Dude, what? And the UCI announcing regs, yes. Why the fuck? Like three days before Christmas, had Tour de France 2024. I'm trying to have a holiday. Tour de France 2024, Grand Depart announcement <laughs> on the Thursday before Christmas. And then the UCI rule changes, like what? Christmas Eve? It's like, I got Raul. I'm calling him up. Hey, Raul. I don't care. Tell your, tell your grandparents. And give me no Christmas. I need an explainer article. Nah, I'm, I'm kidding. Sort of. <laughs> to be fair, to. we're uploading like seven podcasts as well. <laughs> exactly, man. It's ridiculous. Anyway, why is cycling used so much for sports washing? I think that the thing with cycling is that it's still considered a relatively niche sport, but the footprint it has is quite significant. It reaches so many people with the Tour de France and the biggest races and so on, the World Championships, the Olympics. So many people get to watch the bigger races. And if countries can get their name in those big races, or Ineos like companies can get their name in those big races, they can do so for probably a significantly cheaper amount then the other sports that have sports washing, like let's take a look at football, for example, as in the one where you actually kick stuff with your feet. Well, to be fair, you do in both sports, in American and the normal football. But um, anyway, the soccer for the Americans, teams like Manchester City, Manchester United, like we see major investments from like uh, whatever Metro Middle States. Eastern countries and so forth. And we notice as a consequence that it's significant amount of money compared to the money that's going towards, I don't know, the investment of UAE, for example, is significantly less still, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Orders of magnitude different. And you don't even get to put your name on the shirt. Well, you don't, yeah. get, to, you don't get to change the name on the team. Maybe you put a subsidiary 
company can be a shirt yeah. sponsor, but you can't rename the team. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. And <laughs> another reason, which may be why we see it more in cycling, is that cycling is a very prestigious sport. Like we always say, you know, oh, it was always said for maybe the last thing, cycling's a new golf. You've heard that a thousand times, right? But like, I've never heard that. It's not a Belgian thing because you always, you guys have always been cycling. It's again, Anglophone <laughs> countries. People said that. Um, <laughs> you see it. The Tour de France is extremely prestigious, annual, international, internationally recognized event. Every year, it has cultural, cultural prestige. It is so for that reason. And for the cost of entry being literally like, say a team budget is 12 mil on the low end of the spectrum and you're a co-title sponsor for 6 mil, your names could be in the team's name at the Tour de France for 6 mil. That's much cheaper, one would think, than, yeah, I don't know, other equivalents. And you see things like there's the Louvre Abu Dhabi. There's, they're planning, I think, a Guggenheim Abu Dhabi, like these cultural and sort of social, uh, not phenomena. I'm trying uh, prestigious things are going to the Middle East, um, and to that, the Tour de France is kind of, in one way, being exported there, or at least the marketing of. Kind of it's not just, not just Middle East. It's like a whole variety of things, and then it's very difficult and grey where you draw the line, like gambling companies or lottery companies, or companies that loan money at maybe aggressive interest rates, or all those things. Like when you actually go down the list, um, you know, it's hard to find like a nice charity, <laughs> two charities sponsoring a world tour team. Like it's, that's sort of the nature yeah. of sports. So I don't, I don't necessarily think like maybe there's a little bit more in cycling because of the reasons we discussed, but I don't necessarily think it's all that I think it's a whole of sports thing that's just happening. Like, and cycling is not immune from that as well. Um, but anyway, how much do sponsors play a ride in a role in rider schedules? It depends. More, more or less, signings definitely more probably. Yeah. Uh, you see teams focusing on a certain nation, like that's obvious. Although Trek, Trek have one US rider, right? That is true, but Segafredo's like, Italian sponsor, I feel like they focus on Italians quite a bit, though. But Nibali back Maybe. in the day with Ciccone as like one of their leaders. Then again, Juan Pedro Patron came in and he said, no sponsors anymore. Don't. We don't do Italian and American. Now only my Spanish friends will arrive. And that's yep. how Bristango got the ride. <laughs> got and the Danish team. riders. <laughs> and and, and yeah, Scandinavian yeah. riders, too. So, not that they've been bad, their best riders, Scandinavian. Yeah. But... um. Yeah, it, it depends. Like some teams definitely focus on it. Of course, like AG2R and FTJ, like they're going to have a certain quantity of French riders. For the tour, the, for the actual races, I don't know. I think it's I think it's a bit less. Um, but you heard Pog talking about he, he wanted to do the Giro in 2020 and they're like, you should do the tour. Now, is that sponsors or is that matching and Giannetti being like, you're good enough to do the tour, you can win the tour, so you can, we want you at the tour. I think it's more the latter. I don't even. I don't think that's the sponsors as well. Um, I think often yeah. it's just the management. Like, no, this is the best race X Y Z. And I feel like Lefebvre is kind of the opposite, where I feel like the sponsors don't have much to say at all. 
in Lefebvre's no. team in terms of the race schedule. Because while Merlier signing is probably related to Quickstep being a West Flemish uh, company, I had that story back in the day on the Quickstep pod, didn't I? Where a subsidiary of farmers, like a bunch of farmers came together and they yeah. <laughs> they started it anyway. And they gave birth the, to Yves Lampard. Exactly. That, that's like <laughs> the sequel to it. But um, yeah. anyway, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, Quickstep. If the sponsor had a lot to say there, then the Nemco was doing the Tour de France, then Cavendish did the Tour last year, etc., etc., right? Well, I don't know. I, in Benelux, is Cav much better, bigger than Jakobsen? He is, right? Even though Jakobsen's Dutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Belgium, yeah. for sure. In Belgium. Okay. Well, yes, then. And Remco Latour, <laughs> yeah, would make sense. So it's probably not as much as we might think. Um, at the margins, like if there's the eighth spot in a Tour de France team, you've got seven non-French riders, you need an additional French rider or a rider of your nationality, and there's two riders of equivalent ability. Then, although FTJ didn't do that, they took out French Armorel for Canadian Duchamp. So, um, I don't know. It, it, maybe it affects sort of things at the margins too. Okay. What are our thoughts on the rapid growth of the Women's World Tour calendar? Is it sustainable with all the stage races close together? And in some cases now overlapping, I think it is getting to the point where it's exceeding, like it's going to be even more difficult for some of the women's teams and some of the men's teams. Like you already see Lotto turning down their Giro invitation because they want to focus on other simultaneous races and the women's teams aren't really expanding in size that quickly. So like, no, none of the teams have 30 riders. You look at SD yeah. Works in 2023, 14 riders. Like 14 riders, if two or three are injured, or uh, how, how are you going to have two simultaneous races they attend, other riders training, and 14 riders? Like it's the numbers don't add up. Exactly. And there's only a few teams that get to that 16 rider amount in their team. I think UNOX is one of the only teams that gets to that 16 rider amount. But there's there's so many sides to this story where we're speaking about the teams catching up for now. We're speaking about the riders. We're speaking about the amount of uh, races that they need to fill. Note, though, they don't have to go to every single World Tour race. But on the opposite end, there's a relegation system in women's cycling now. So that relegation system basically says to the teams, well, you need to ride as much as possible. So they are benefiting the teams that do have more riders and more capability to ride more races in that sense or if teams are just much better at selecting races they can circumvent that but there's also the point that if you had so many world to races that the bigger teams need to go to then you're putting pressure on these smaller races as well that survive from the fact that bigger riders come there as well and if so many world to races are at that point then those smaller races will have less sponsor interest and so forth to be yeah, to actually exist, stuff like that. So that's another issue there. We also see the uh, transition a bit from the fact that like five to ten years ago in women's cycling, I feel like more cyclists were just good at everything. I feel like that's still the case with the likes of Van Vleuten and so forth. I think Roubaix is the one where she's kind of not able to really push through. But then we look at the riders that are now in the peloton and we feel like, I feel I at least feel like there's more specialization in certain riders. We was this fully a sprinter, for example, and we gradually see that changing as well in the peloton now as well. Also because the routes are adapting and we see 
more extreme routes like actual proper mountain stages that we didn't see a few years ago. So that transition is also happening. I completely forgot what the point I was making was, but... (laughs) I uh, I was more specialist. But then, (laughs) I don't know. Tour of Norway, like I like races like Tour of Norway, which as you say, have like a, you know, a proper mountaintop finish. But yeah, it's... It's it's going to be tough for these teams financially to go to all these races. It's not just the riders. It's like, do they have enough? The buses, mechanics, one years they have to hire extra staff. It's not just hiring extra riders. For every extra rider, you got to hire x amount of extra you know, of staff, um, you know, chefs or whatever. So yeah, it's yeah. it's tough. Um, but yeah, I hope I hope the women's world tour doesn't sort of make the same mistakes as the men's world tour, which yeah. You know, I think, well, I think we both think it is a little bit too, too heavy Convoluted. in the world tour races. Yeah. yeah. And confusing. Okay. On to some business stuff for me and Benji and our yes. media. Will we continue to work for Yumbo Visma in 2023? Now, we told you we'd keep you updated on any changes. If we stopped working with a team or continued working or extended working with Yumbo Visma, and as a reminder, this year, Benji and I provided video analysis, data, and strategy advice to Yumbo Visma, primarily in relation to the Classics and Tour de France campaign. And this work had nothing to do with the pod, YouTube, etc. We had an objectivity clause in the agreement, which ensured we maintain total editorial control over our content. And this was a pretty successful partnership, I think. We both learned a lot, found it really rewarding, um, and it's helped the pods a lot, actually sort of knowing firsthand how a team works. But now moving forward, Benji has decided to not continue to work for Yumbo, whereas I have for the next couple of years. We both have different reasons, which we'll explain now, and I'll run through. But Benji, like you to you say what what's happening with you? What's up with you next year? Yeah, I'm afraid I'm leaving the ship when it comes to the the freelance role I had also next to you for Yumbo Visma. And uh, the reason is mainly that I want to like I'm a content creator at heart. I like making content, whether it's putting more time into LRCP or making more content on my own channels, doing more media stuff in cycling in Belgium and so forth, or internationally. I'm open to all of that. But I I want to do that instead of making videos and stuff like that, making stuff for a few people behind the scenes. I'd rather make it for a wider public because that's more rewarding for me personally. And that's basically the thing. You can you can always quote that as Benji decided to leave Yumbo Visma because he wanted to make pro cycling manager videos, which I guess that kind of works because <laughs> it will allow me to make more pro cycling manager videos. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> more fun, more fun managing a team in the virtual world. Um, maybe, I don't know. Anyway. I've extended my agreement with Yumbo for two more years. So on the same basis, objectivity clauses, etc. cetera. Um, so for 2023 and 2024, get the years right, um, mainly because the same I extended on the same basis that I originally agreed to work for Yumbo Visma alongside Benji, which was, you know, believing that a t- working for a team, particularly a top team like that, can, you know, contesting for Grand Tour victories and monument victories, it gives a unique insight into how teams operate and in turn improves my knowledge base and I'm gonna quality miss you, of buddy. content. Pardon? I'm going to miss you, buddy. 
<laughs> mate we got 200 pods to do with each other next year <laughs> you're gonna get very you get very sick of me <laughs> um yeah scope of work on the exchange is the same all, all the sort of same stuff just for 23 and 24 doing data strategy all that good stuff um and on that point you know you might be asking well what what about your plans to become a cycling agent you drove to geneva <laughs> during the geofene um what a waste of time that was then because yeah i'm parking that i'm not not doing that for 2023 and 2024 obviously um so i've got the license won't be representing any riders um Mate. just just got a piece of paper on the wall <laughs> you've gone through the entire bloody struggle of riding to driving to geneva i always say riding now because of a cycling yeah. podcast uh, driving to geneva in your car you do your exam you're pissed for like seven hours in the car because yep. you thought you weren't gonna make Ten. it 10 hours in the car and what you get out of it is a piece of paper you won't use and an instagram picture <laughs> i've spent a couple of thousand euro probably <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah yeah well, instagram picture pretty sick so yeah got to visit eci headquarters so yeah um nah i think it lasts for like four years and then i can extend it but yeah so that won't be that won't be happening next year uh and sort of what will be happening next year oh no also related to this, would we consider being a DS for a team in the future? <laughs> nah. No. I I don't see myself doing that. Um I think I find I think it would be too stressful for me. Like, and next to that, I think people are underrating the role of a DS in terms of the human capabilities that you need. Because we base our opinions on data, on analysis, and so forth. I think there's a role of that, a significant role of that, that DSs now do. But there's also the factor that you need to interpret that information and be able to apply that to the individual rider. Each rider is different, and each rider will want that information differently. And I think a good DS is able to do that and also is good with dealing with the group dynamic in a team because one rider might not be happy with the opportunities of other riders. And I feel like you also need to be a person that can listen to the complaints of riders and try and make the best of it with the riders, no? Yeah, exactly. That's an important skill, which, you know, like I don't have. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) I don't have. (laughs) So, yeah. I I just couldn't sit in the car. I physically couldn't do it. I physically just could not sit in the car for three weeks straight, six hours a day, just couldn't do it. uh, so like much respect to the DSs that do do it. It's like yeah. a hard job. It's not that glamorous, to be honest. Like it's a lot of stress. It's a lot of trying to take a pee break in like, it's hard. Um, On video descent. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, what was that? Are the angles? I think so. On the Jira. <laughs> um, if with roll, the bike change, but yeah, it's, cool. it's tough. It's a tough a tough job and yeah i'd maybe maybe the sort of management in the future like uh, sort of where brailsford sits but it's a big jump up from podcaster to to that so um i'm probably selling myself a little bit short there but, is it is it yeah. promotion or demotion this is like where you can get arrogant as fuck yeah <laughs> um it's, it's just like a lot of admin people management 
like these are big organizations, some of the big teams, like you, you're thinking, everyone just thinks about, oh, well, you, how do you you're gonna manage the riders and strategy and stuff, which is what we sort of currently did uh, advice for at Yumbo. That, that's like the, that's the fun bit. Um, what about <laughs> like, you, you got an HR problem with uh, a soigneur or something, or you need a new headquarters, or there's not enough yeah, inventory of X, or, a, or one of the sponsors is being really difficult. That- Sort of Gonderson says that his salad, his salad, his saddle needs to go up. His salad. Well, no, then you tell him to get fucked. <laughs> that's that's what the theme. You've been do, riding right? at DSM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you tell him, sorry, sir, and I don't care. <laughs> someone, someone, six months ago, said that this was right. <laughs> Alrighty. So the answer is on the DS. Ooh. No. For both of us for now well and i don't see that changing for me will we, i have a sponsor at will lrcp ever sponsor a cycling team uh maybe maybe one like i was thinking androni but they kind of they folded right so no 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 no, no 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 savio is back as the manager of gw shimano and then a second sponsor i don't know if it's drone hopper or something related to that He's now in Conti with his team. And he brought some of the Colombians that were in the team, some of the Italians that were in the team, and he got quite a few good Colombian juniors in there. So the team's actually not shit. How much will it cost, do you reckon, for like just one PNG LRCP on the on the sleeve? 5K? Well, is it useful to oh, promote no, it in not. Colombian races? <laughs> of course not. That's <laughs> <laughs> <But> funny. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what i mean i would never do it seriously like a proper one um only it's like a meme if we could make some content about yeah. it yeah um and i think i think one of the controversial takes i have around that is that i'm starting to realize or i'm not sure if i'm correct in it but i'm starting to assume that the media around cycling is sometimes worth more investing it as a sponsor than teams on screen itself well yeah you can during a Tour de France broadcast, you can be a title sponsor of a team. Maybe they're good. Maybe they do something. I'm sure Yumbo and Visma are probably pretty happy with how the Tour de France played out as sponsors. Maybe they don't. Maybe maybe the star rider's injured and you know you don't really have much screen time. But if you just buy an ad slot during the Tour de France, you hunt. You're going to show your ad well. Maybe they click off the ad, but that's why they've integrated ads a bit now. But you know what I mean? You can guarantee a certain percentage of people are going to see your brand and it's going to be an actual ad. So maybe, yeah, maybe there is more value there. Like, yeah, it's that's why we see a sponsor carousel because a lot of the media activations by the teams whilst they're doing – like the teams just have press officers, right? They're not, yeah. they're not like content creators. Some teams do have like a content team or at least like one guy that works on content. That's usually the social media manager that has to do everything, okay. I'd argue, there. But they have too much on really... their plates. Exactly. I think they get third party content teams in to make stuff for them. And I think that's also an issue. I feel like content, like also, I think Velon, the brand, could also do a lot more with the content that they have. Yeah, there's. Like there's so much opportunities to like reuse footage and particularly like all this amateur cycling stuff on Instagram reels, like it gets goes viral or whatever, but the crows are doing like way crazier stuff every day. So 
I think Movistar, I think the guy's a contractor who's running their Sin Cadena YouTube series, which has been quite successful showing their training camps, getting decent views. Um, I think he's a contractor though. So as you say, they're not like hiring full-time like content creators, et cetera. And it's kind of being outsourced. It's Netflix get, pay them a, a fee and then et cetera. Anyway, it's, that's just the evergreen issue of, of marketing and sponsorship and cycling. What are the goals for LRCP in 2023? More of the same. We'll just keep <laughs> keep trying to provide the best analysis of pro cycling in your airwaves or on long form YouTube. Uh, it's not changing. We might be a little bit more selective on some of the races next year, with of course the core races being all covered as usual, um, just to keep us <laughs> keep us sane. Maybe a tour. After the season finishes, a season review live tour in some cer- certain countries, as well as some merch dropping next year. So a few things in the pipeline. What would you like us to do, Benji? I feel like it's just what we do now is pretty great, but I feel like there's so many small things we can still change to make it a tiny bit better. And whether that's equipment-wise or whether that's actually visible for you guys, well, we'll try and make it visible. Otherwise, it's not a big change, is it? <laughs> but I feel like there's also opportunities like doing potentially watch-alongs together and so forth. I like that idea. Trying try and create more, more buzz during races and during events that are going on when it comes to cycling together. I feel like we can make more content together if we are together more. So to get together a few times per season somehow to make more content does too. That would also, I think, increase the dynamic a bit. And I don't know. I feel like we're far from perfect still. But that doesn't mean we're doing shit. We're far from perfect still in the sense that there's always space for improvement. And I'd like to see that improvement gradually happen. And I feel like we've improved gradually throughout the years as well. We started off without bloody cameras. Let's let's remember that for yeah, a second. Yeah. Not even two <laughs> years ago. We had no camera. I literally didn't sleep for three days before we had our first camera thing because I was scared of what the people would think about me on camera, unironically, which is actually pretty crazy to think about. Well, that that's the thing you're sort of touching on that is when you have, you've just started something, it's a lot easier to take risks. Um, and also like we want to up the level of the podcast, right? But there's a trap on digital media is that you think upping production necessarily means content actually becomes more interesting. It's not the case. Now, when we improved our microphones, if you compare to before, that makes a difference because that affects audience retention because the audio is better. So in the aggregate, it will improve retention. Will us going to races and incurring that expense and maybe hiring people to be full-time setting up technical people will that improve the content enough i don't know will that actually the travel and everything stress us out so much or me out i'm not speaking with benji stress me out so much and you're managing so many different things that you're too tired to be funny or entertaining or informative um do you grow is the pod growing so much that you then worry oh i can't say that because you know people actually listen now and you know, I can't make a joke about X, Y, Z um, because, you know, that writer, I know they'll hear it 
uh, going back to the earlier question, yeah. it's much more likely now a writer's going to hear it if you say something critical. So you got to really try and avoid those traps and not think about that. Um, but still, as Benji said, you still want to improve. So like us being together in person, I think in a studio-esque space is better. In an Airbnb, maybe not. So Giro, <laughs> I don't think we'll go to the Giro this year. It starts in Italy. Um, but maybe the Basque Country start, it's near me and Barcelona is really near me and the airport right there, Benji can get to easily. Barcelona might be the option. Because also I know Barcelona, I know hotels that would be good options. Um, it's all things like that thinking about. Um, but as Benny said, I think being in a studio-esque space might be the best option rather than attending races or grand tours all the time. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts? I know the podcast is getting quite long already, but we've got a few more questions. But I want to throw in one of mine as well. Well, I've got two of mine actually. First, I want to ask like, What's your aim with your own channel? As in, what's the next step there? I want it to be... So I've obviously got like multiple... Trying to succeed on multiple verticals. So like the website's written. Um, that's been really successful, but currently not profitable or close. Great program, um, right? What can I say? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that... <laughs> that was a really good setup though wordpress for <laughs> actually for someone like me it's really good um i think it looks pretty clean just quietly so props to benji um if you want to anyone want a full-time program you want to go no. <laughs> you're saying you want to get back in that game benji design websites um yeah website podcast li youtube channel um hide you know luke and gonna have more content on instagram because like instagram engagement is really high but i just don't i just don't post and it's also the balance of like do i want to just churn racing content on there or are people more interested in sort of what i'm doing like the agent photo is it a mix of those two that people want it's hard to know because it's not 100 of either some people want x some people want y um it's growing up all those three and maybe some other things too um and i think if you combine if you combine all the the watch time across all those platforms, I think it was the biggest um, like pro cycling media in 2022. If you don't, which is a big if, if you don't include GCN plus live races, which obviously yeah. the watch time on that will you know be more. But but if you like cycling news, much bigger website. But when you combine pod numbers, it's bigger. So. It's hard to succeed across all three, and that's what I'm, I'm trying to do. Um, like we're trying to put on the what's per kilo full database in an interactive, nice fashion on the on the page on the website, um, things like that. But yeah, what do you think I should do, Benji? What do I think you should do? I don't know. I think you're doing pretty great, and I feel like you're often the kind of guy that takes a lot on his plate. As in, you're the kind of person that goes to the store on an empty stomach. And you take everything home and then you realize, well, fuck, I can only do so much in 24 hours, but you still managed to do more than I would see other people able to do with the stuff you brought home from the store. So I admire you in what you're doing and I'd say, keep it up and keep that flowing. For me, it's kind of like, for me, it's also similar in that sense. I also feel like I've got a lot going on 
And I feel like sometimes I have to make choices. Like LRCP has been my priority, stays my priority. That's always going to be the case here. But like, I feel like on my own channel in 2022, I uploaded 88 videos compared to in 2021, I uploaded 178, which I don't know how I did that. I'm pretty sure I had no life. And in 2023, I'd like to get around 100 videos or even if it's 50, that's fine. But quality over quantity. And that's kind of the changes that I want to do on my non-LRCP content, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that's my take there. I think we've both been running it like it's good to be lean and like keep things like keep costs low so then you can grow slowly and you know say you don't get an advertiser or you don't get x then it's not fatal like yeah of course like you know for the first six months of the pod like <laughs> wasn't wasn't worth it directly of course it was in the long run but yeah, for yeah, the yeah. first six months like if you look at our hourly rate and average it out like <laughs> it's not good um <laughs> but you can't be like that forever of course, like it's not sustainable. Um, adults bills, and then it's then good to be lean in like the next eighteen months. But then, if you want to grow it and also do make it sustainable, like Benji and I can't keep doing, as Benji said, can't do Yumbo Visma consultancy work. Pods two hundred twenty five plus a year. Benji's like tweeting them out and you know running LRCP Twitter, and then. He's got his own personal YouTube channel. I've got a like, and it's just us. And my wife does pod editing, um, puts together like some show notes, all the uploading, tiling, thumbnailing, all that, which has been a big help. And like that needed to happen. Um, otherwise, like we wouldn't have been able to do it. But then if we keep, we need to, if we want to grow, got to get more people on board um, without just hiring a bunch of people, you know, for whatever reason. But yeah, it's, it's a small team. It's been good. The website contributors, Raul, Ozzo, um, Gabrielle, and Luhrmann's doing the drawings. That's all been been great as well. But and I'm now sure Luke I'm missing somebody. And now Luke's coming on board in January. Um, and he's yeah, there's a lot of things he'll be doing. Um, so I hope he's had a good holiday. I think cycling. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm excited for the future. I think it's I think it's really bright. And I think. I'm happy with where we are. I'm keen to see how Benji goes with his, uh, particularly his IRL cycling content. I think that's a nice pivot on his YouTube channel, actually. Yeah, that brings us to one of the uh, next questions. What are your personal cycling goals for 2023? For me, it's kind of simple. I, I lost 20 kgs in 2022, um, and I'd like to lose 10 kgs more. And next to that, I'd like to become a not-so-shit cyclist because I'm now still a shit cyclist. And one of the things I'll do is that I've already recorded a significant part of the process of me doing my training, me doing FTP test, ramp test, and so forth. And that should come out as videos in the coming uh, year on my own channel. So it's kind of like a contentsless cycling goals thing for me. For you, it's more uh, an individual cycling goals thing, right? Um, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is. You're right. I just want to. I just want to be fitter. I've been since I come back to the Gold Coast. It's been great. Been running a lot, cycling, keeping you know, trying to be ten hours plus active exercise per week. I think if I if I go over ten hours a week and I eat like just okay, I don't need to eat like a monk. If I just eat okay and do that, you know, better things happen. Um, but yeah, twenty twenty one was tough. Um, no, not 2020, 2021 was tough. I put on so much weight during the pandemic, and so now I'm just. <laughs> 
you put it on the weight quick and then shifting it off takes a little bit longer, um, particularly as I was kind of still active at the time. So it's not like I'm whacking my body with a huge amount of exercise change. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of moving and exercise, how do I like living in Andorra? People ask. I really like it. Like safe for business. It's fine. Like, no, not fine. It's good. You know, people complain sometimes, oh, there's red tape. It's like, there's red tape everywhere. Like, come to Australia. Like, you want to open, like, get a liquor license in Australia? <laughs> like, I was speaking to a guy down the street, just opened, he just wanted to start serving alcohol in the afternoons at his cafe. And, like, the amount of red tape is insane um, that he has to go through. And it's, that's very different to maybe Europe. So, I think it's. I think Andorra is good. It's like it's not a party town or party mm-hmm. country. Um, if you want to go party every night, Barcelona is probably better for you in that sense. But if you want to work hard, if you have a digital media business, um, be safe. Cost of living is not actually like not actually that bad um, no. for all the benefits it has. Particularly like Australia, as an Australian again, you see the cost of living in Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane like. It's it's really expensive here, so um, I really like it. Spanish is getting much better. That's one of my personal goals for next year: is to go from like can speak, can hold a conversation fine with the the bus driver to wait, like wait, wait, wait. fluent level. You speak to the bus driver. See, people are a lot friendly eh? <laughs> in Spain and Andorra. Um, so on the on the bus to the airport. From Andorra, people, yeah, people talk to you. Um, and I know I use it's free, it's literally like a free language session because it's like the problem <laughs> is people overestimate your ability to um speak Spanish sometimes because, like, yeah, like I'll go through the first few things okay, and then I'll be like, just if you speak a little bit slower, I will get 90% instead of 70%. But then there's boom, 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 because maybe they're not as used to speaking to moderate ability Spanish speakers. But that's good. I think the people like people are really um, accommodating with it, which is maybe have a different experience in other countries in, in Europe. Um, like people are just happy to trying. And then Catalan as well. I've got to learn that. But Spanish first, because for business as well. I want to be able to go on maybe I'll call it Del Peloton next year. I want to get my Spanish to ability to actually appear on that podcast. Yeah. Um, that would be kind of funny. <laughs> maybe not funny. It doesn't, it's not supposed to be humorous. <laughs> um, <laughs> it'd be interesting. And then, yeah, Catalan's got to come. But like Catalan, already be able to speak to me in it anyway. And I sort of get it. Um, but By yeah, way, it's Andorra's good. Talking about Andorra, how the hell is your horse doing? <laughs> Well, he's not in Andorra. He's he's in Willembar. Yeah. Oh. Uh, there's been no updates from me, which means it's not been going too well. Um, <laughs> he's out for a spell for a month, I think. He'll come back stronger. He'll come back stronger. <laughs> um, nah, it's fine. It's it's just for fun. It's not like um, <laughs> you're like you're like, not... like that meme that's like it's just for fun, and they're like. You've got a mask, a happy mask in front of your crying face. <laughs> yeah, I'm de- it's definitely yeah. not just a fun. I'm definitely like, we need to optimize this race calendar. Um, I'm saying, I send them like the syndicate owner, like, <laughs> I'm like, listen. The jockey? The, the jockey with like an arrow helmet, the specialized arrow helmet? No, for real. I was like, listen, right. 
<laughs> drafting and, and race mechanics is not well understood in this sport. Now, uh, you might have seen on Twitter that <laughs> somewhat controversially, I advised Jumbo Visma on some things in 2022. I can help you. The sport's basically the same. It's people going about 60 kilometers an hour <laughs> and like 58 kilo guys on top of a machine. <laughs> so it's the same sport. Yeah. Um, but so far, they've not really taken my advice on board. Um, I think they think I'm a lunatic. But anyway, <laughs> he'll come back. It'll be fine. It's, it is fun. Do you have any passions outside of cycling or hobbies outside of cycling, Benji? Bit of a loaded I, um... question. <laughs> <laughs> is this all you guys do? Kind of. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Cycling my lab at this point. Scrolling through Twitter. <laughs> no, no, no. I, um, I had the at least a one week long hobby of trying to get decent at chess. And I'd say I got very decent until, yeah, until some pro rider decided to, to slap me in chess, which was Nathan van Hooydonk, which um, I blame the fact that I just came out of the pool and my finger slipped, moving my queen into a position where I just got sniped. But that is the ongoing rumor. There's also potential cheating allegations on uh, like Magnus Carlsen, Hans Niemann vibes between us. So, <laughs> I don't know. Wait, you put something up your butt. <laughs> Heat it to win. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Damn. But who's signaling him? <laughs> Is this online? Wait, wait, wait. So, so wait, wait, wait. So, I'm leaving Jumbo Visma. You're staying. Are you the one signaling Nathan Hordonk in my chess matches? Probably, yeah. I would like him to beat you in chess. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. If I was signaling him, you would I can't play chess. <laughs> so, yeah, it can't. I mean, either because... I just pretend to. <laughs> yeah all right and anything else i guess uh, cycling like you got to we kind of have a distinction between like covering pro cycling and then us personally cycling i don't they're not the same thing to me like yeah. when i go out on a bike ride or something i'm not it's just completely different so to me that is still a break from cycling hmm. for me for me it's kind of my issue is that i've said it before i'm a content creator at heart and everything I do, I, I'm like thinking, how can I make content about it? And that's a very unhealthy lifestyle, I know. But that's one of the reasons that I'm also making the cycling content because that will motivate me to do my personal cycling better and to do that kind of stuff. So my line between hobby and work is not really there sometimes. I know that's an unhealthy lifestyle and I don't know how to fix it. Oh, well, if it works, it works. Um you had a pretty successful 2022, if I say so myself. So I if think, it works, it works. It, Burn out yeah. under a bridge. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, true. I, I, have a lot, I just watch like trash on YouTube. I like to, when I'm relaxing, I go to like the lowest impact content and just let it massage over my brain. So like I'll watch Uncle Roger <laughs> food reviews on YouTube. Um, doing egg fried rice reviews of Jamie Oliver. I'll watch like Theo really? Vaughn and Caleb Presley. And I'm just like, this is just hmm. dribble. And it's just yeah. my mind gets massaged to sleep. For uh, for me, I've always had like TV shows as the as like the escape. But I feel like at this point, I've seen like the, the good TV shows. And I'm like, it has to be a good one for me to watch it again. When it comes to YouTube, I'm like hardcore into I'm a big Ludwig fan great content creator 
But next to that, also Coffeezilla. I feel like his content is amazing. One of the best YouTubers out there at the moment, investigator in like scams and so forth. And actually like properly reveals fraudsters for what they are. Because I feel like in the last two years, we've seen a lot of like content creators and influencers abuse their audience to gain financial gain. And I find that appalling. And I love when they get caught for it. So that's why I love watching Coffeezilla videos these days. Anyway, that became pretty dark suddenly. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I can't watch any of that because I'm already I'm already at a 10, like at intensity, just walking through life. I'm already at just like a 10 permanently, <laughs> highly strung. I, I just, last night, I just, opened, I, I saw the Rolex Giro thing and then opened up again, you know, got all the profiles. And I sat there for an hour just clicking through profile. On a, I have them all downloaded in a row, and I'm just imagining how the stages sequence together. I'm looking at the gradient on a 0.5. Um, I've got to call it the the San Bernardino climb. It's 35 k's. I put it at 0.5 k's on the Flamme Rouge website, and so it doesn't even fit on the thing. I'm looking like, where's the steep pass? It's like, <laughs> what is that? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you, what's the point of this? Anyway, that is helpful to know the route, but. I, I need to relax, so I just find like low it. I watch like the stupidest content, or NFL, or NFL other sports, and then that's sort of I'm mainly enjoying it, but also saying, okay, what what are media doing here? Well, how are they? How are they doing a podcast in the really big sports as well? Uh, and I love cricket, so I'm happy to back for the, be back for the summer of cricket. Just a big sports fan, really. Um, but yeah, that's that's our hobbies outside of cycling. Maybe cycling is just passion, hobby, and work. Couldn't be better. But they were all the questions that we had time to answer today. We hope you all have a safe Christmas and holiday period. Have some time to rest because Tour Down Under is coming and you better get yourself ready for the season that's about to kick off. we got what? Women's World Tour starts at TDU in like three weeks or less. Once it starts... It, it never ends. <laughs> like it's going to be ten. It's ten months straight. So get yourself ready. Um, prepare yourself. Maybe watch some old races and look through the, the rosters because we'll be coming hard in twenty twenty three. We haven't lost our enthusiasm. In fact, more enthusiastic than ever. I can't wait to see to just all the storylines next year. There's so many storylines that get, will unfold every year and. I love covering the races just as much as when we started. And I think Benji feels the same way, even though we're doing more things. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think it's also important to give a major thank you for the support in the last year to every single one of you that support us, that watch our content, that interacts with us on, on Twitter, on Instagram, on, on the YouTube comments section and so forth. You read most of the comments that we get. And it's really awesome that we've got such a community behind us and that we can keep on doing this, that we're able to do this. So, and so fortunate that we're able to do this. and do it in our way that we're not limited by by anything really so i love doing this and it's mainly thanks to everybody watching and thanks to zwift that i can afford to do this <laughs> without without the audience it, it, it wouldn't be possible i know it sounds cliche but it wouldn't like we would have to do other things if there wasn't enough of you so fervently supporting the podcast and everything else that we do um and still be a lawyer god forbid uh, no. yeah you'd be a, a solo youtuber then who knows but yeah the support is great i also like we read we read everything 
I read every comment and just love the support and even just the, you know, all seeing all the people who listen to every podcast or even if you don't listen to every podcast, it's just, it's fantastic to see how much entertainment it provides and even seeing that in real life. Like that's happened a bit more this year. It's been fan- like, we, I love it when people come and say, Hey, are you, are you know, are you LR from, from XYZ? I love it in person too. Um, and hopefully we get more of that, more of that are next year and maybe to you too. Did he come up to you? Nah, I'm asking you. Are you Patrick Lefebvre? Is that what the people ask you? <laughs> like, jeez. Are you, are you a man 50 years older than you? <laughs> like, who refuses to send around? No, I'm not, because I'd send around and go to the tour. So, no, that's why you know I'm not Patrick Lefebvre. <laughs> I'd let him do Valenciana at his house um, instead of San Juan. But yeah, thanks as well to Zwift. We couldn't have a more supportive partner who just want our content to succeed. They just want the pod to do well. They support the pod. And as well, I think they're a great positive move and force for cycling, supporting the Tour de France Famavic Swift inaugural edition on a multi-year deal, supporting women's cycling, then getting Paris-Roubaix Famavic Swift, having an active platform to stay on top of your weight loss. This isn't a plug. But seriously, for me as well, like I used the platform, Zwift, particularly when I was back in Andorra, when it was, you know, to stay on top of those fitness goals, that was really important for me mentally to keep that continuity. Um, and so Mate, they've been a fantastic partner too. I've lost 20 kgs with the focus on mainly not eating shit and riding Zwift on a six to seven day basis. So I'm a running advertisement at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So thanks to you guys. And girls, thanks to Zwift. It's been a fantastic year. We can't wait to do it all again next year. Until then, ciao.